This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. The CIA is launching a new China mission center, and it's got a heavy mandate. It's pretty clear that uh, China is the geopolitical threat. Joe Detrani, former CIA director of East Asia operations. It's pretty obvious what's happening with China and the friction points. God knows we don't want to stumble into uh, any accidental conflict with, with, uh, with China. A deep look at what many believe is a looming crisis between the U.S. and China. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm JJ Green. In our previous episode, we talked with DIA Director General Scott Barrier, and he said that China was responsible for the greatest theft of intellectual property in the history of mankind from the U.S. China's been involved in hostile and malign activity against the U.S. in cyberspace. There's been a significant military buildup. We know that China has, we know that China has gone back on its word when it came to democracy in Hong Kong. It's threatening Taiwan right now. So the U.S. felt as though it needed to make some changes in terms of keeping an eye on China and perhaps figuring out if it needs to take some action against China. So the first step in that is figuring out more about what China's doing. The CIA has launched what it calls its China Mission Center. And here to talk with us about it is Ambassador Joe Dutrani, who's retired from the Central Intelligence Agency and, and played a big role for the agency in that part of the world. Ambassador, thank you for joining us. CIA Director William Burns has announced the formation of what's called the China Mission Center to address what he calls the global challenge posed by the People's Republic of China, which he says cuts across all the agency's mission areas. The idea, I understand, is to unify CIA work already underway. And in a telling statement, he said the China Mission Center will further strengthen, quote, our collective work on the most important geopolitical threat we face in the 21st century. And that is an, an increasingly adversarial Chinese government. You served as the director of CIA East Asia operations. What, what did that position include? What were the responsibilities? Well, that was uh, 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 during uh, 2000 to 2003 when I left that position. So I, I was there about three years. Basically, uh, we were looking at the whole of East Asia, to indeed to include China, uh, North Korea, uh, but the whole of East Asia, uh, to understand uh, what was going on in the region, to, uh, to provide analysis for our, uh, our uh, executive branch of government, our decision makers, and the, and the Congress. 
uh, as to uh, developments in the region, in the respective countries, and, and how uh, some of those developments could possibly impact uh, the uh, security of the United States. It, it was basically to give competitive advantage uh, to our decision makers and our lawmakers so they understand that international environment, indeed, in this region, East Asia. The CIA has always kept a close eye on China, but somehow that close scrutiny changed or it stopped somehow. What happened? Well, I don't think it stopped, JJ. I I just think uh, what we're seeing uh, most recently, and I say recent in the last three to um, uh, five years, we see some developments from China that are of, of real concern. Uh, and you mentioned a few of them. We see the militarization of uh, the islands and the reefs in the South China Sea. Despite a UN tribunal's decision that uh, China does not have sovereignty over those islands and reefs, uh, whereby China just moves forward and has militarized those islands and is using their military and their maritime uh, militia to intimidate the free flow of traffic uh, in in these international waters. Uh, What we see with Taiwan, you mentioned intimidating Taiwan. Yes, most recently over 140 uh, warplanes entered Taiwan's air defense identification zone. That's intimidation writ large. That's over the last few days. So um, a whole list, you look at Hong Kong and the national security law, which abrogated what Deng Xiaoping did in 1997 with the uh, basic law of providing Hong Kong with the uh, uh, security until 2047 so they could have freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, uh, the rule of law, and, and just abrogating that and walking away from it and saying, forget about the, you know, two country or one country, two systems, equally and and it's a different equation. So, so there's a myriad of, of issues that have manifested itself in the last few years, which makes it almost compelling, or I would say very compelling, to say more must be done to better understand where China is going with the Chinese Communist Party and the, the leadership of Xi Jinping, uh, given some of these decisions he's taken. And also, uh, I'll add on to that, JJ, it's not only what we're seeing in Hong Kong or the internment camps in Xinjiang with the, uh, uh, with the Uyghurs and the, uh, its trade, its intellectual property theft. It's uh, not a level playing field for our companies that are doing business overseas when China's state-owned enterprise companies and uh, uh, corporations are getting competitive advantage uh, to try to work in the international marketplace out there. But it's also pronouncements from uh, the Communist Party and, and, and President Xi Jinping about, you know, China is going to dominate the, uh, the uh, uh, certain areas by 2049, the centennial of the founding of the People's Republic of China. Uh, you know, China will be the, uh, the predominant uh, superpower. And, you know, by 2025, we're talking about a few years down the road. Uh, China is going to uh, dominate the uh, global high-tech manufacturing sector, whether it's artificial intelligence, whether it's uh, uh, information technology, whether it's robotics. So these are pronouncements actually coming from the leadership in China saying, 
we're going to move in these directions. And they're moving in those directions, as we see with some of the issues I just cited with Hong Kong and Xinjiang and, and some of the trade issues and certainly with Taiwan. So so I think that's a that's a message, a clear message to the United States. We just have to do uh, a better job of collecting more and better understanding where China is and where China is going with some of uh, these pronouncements and some of these actions they've taken. What triggered these aggressive decisions that Xi Jinping has taken? Well, you know, uh, Xi Jinping took over from uh, his, his predecessor, uh, Hu Jintao, in 20, uh, 2012. Uh, uh, implemented the Belt and Road Initiative, where China is going to be, you know, uh, providing, uh, you know, infrastructure assistance to over, you know, 120, 130 countries, and uh, and China is going to be moving in a lot of directions. I think this this uh, this manifested itself during the uh, the uh, the tenure of uh, Xi Jinping, starting in, in 2012, and uh, some of these decisions that were that were taken on. So. Um, you know, why? Well, uh, there could be a sense that, you know, uh, President Xi Jinping was looking at, you know, the centennial coming up in 2049. Uh, we had recently the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Chinese Communist Party in 1921. And some of the words we heard from Xi Jinping uh, on that anniversary day, where China no longer will be bullied. Uh, and talking about Taiwan, that, you know, Taiwan is part of China very clearly, uh, uh, putting a marker down on, on Taiwan per se. So, I, you know, why? Uh, I, I think maybe President Xi Jinping is a bit impatient or maybe there, there's a sense that uh, some of these issues like Taiwan uh, have to be uh, resolved to uh, uh, the Chinese Communist Party's satisfaction within a certain period of time. Uh, it, it's hard to say, but also we have to give some credit also to the United States. And 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 when we called out uh, intellectual property theft, this has been going on for more than the last four or five years. It's been going on for decades. Uh, and I give uh, credit to the Trump administration for calling this out early on and, and, and certainly being pursued now with the Biden administration, where we're just not going to tolerate this sort of behavior any longer. And 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 certainly with the South China Sea, freedom of navigation. Well, they, they China can't just sort of disregard what a UN tribunal says and 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 talk about international waters and say, well, these this is now ours, and, and you need our permission if you want to uh, if you if you want to sail through these international waters. I mean, it, it just it, it. I think it reached the point where countries and certainly like the United States said. Enough is enough. And, and, and I think what we see with the, uh, in Xinjiang on the human rights issues with the, with the Uyghurs in Hong Kong with, with the national security law, uh, I think uh, it, it, it's really crystallized in a lot of ways where there's, there's a myriad of issues that speaks to doing something sooner than later, doing something now, mm -hmm. recognizing the threat and I think that's why I commend uh, uh, Director Burns for uh, announcing uh, the creation of this center. I think uh, it's it's pretty clear that uh, China is the geopolitical threat, and uh, and they're you know they and and certainly that's increasing adversarial behavior on the part of the Chinese government is uh, is, is very clear to to anyone who's 
who's aware of what's happening in the world. Well, pardon me for saying this, and no disrespect to you, because you've done remarkable work during your government service to the United States, including being the special envoy to North Korea, uh, dealing with their nuclear situation. But doesn't the U.S. bear some of the responsibility for this happening? China's disrespect, I suppose, for the international community, the tribunal that was established to uh, essentially say, hey, you can't do this. Um, They're ignoring um, Hong Kong's rights. Um, The U.S. had at a time, Ambassador, and you know this well, um, a way to sort of keep an eye on things around the world um, during the Soviet Union's uh, reign. But things changed after that. So doesn't the U.S. bear some responsibility here? Well, you know, uh, I think uh, those are fair comments you made, J.J. Uh, We we did take uh, uh, some of uh, the focus off of uh, some of these developments uh, after the implosion of the Soviet Union in 1991 and the uh, the, uh, demise of communism. I think there was a sense uh, that uh, we didn't need that fine focus any longer because the Soviet Union was was no longer there, per se. Uh, they may have had the strategic uh, uh, nuclear capabilities, but, but, but otherwise, no. So, and then, you know, proceeding with the U.S. Information Service, disbanding that service with our cultural centers, closing many of our cultural centers, where uh, there was almost a sense that we didn't need to be talking about the United States and our values and what we stand for. Uh, it, you know, there may be a sense that the, the world should be very uh, aware of now that the Soviet Union imploded, that the world should be very uh, aware of and, uh, and, and understand our values and, and subscribe to those values. No, I, I think I think that was short-sighted, to be honest with you. I think we need to be out in front, and we're seeing that in spades in 2021, talking about the values we have as a country, talking about our form of governance, what a liberal democracy stands for, and 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 in comparison to what we see with these autocracies and and the and the, uh, and the proliferation of these autocracies and and what they stand for. So yeah, I think. I think we as a whole of government are lost a little of that of that sense. And I think with the 9-11, I think correctly, uh, we did, uh, you know, uh, pivot to the counterterrorism side because of the devastation, the, the tragic, the horrific uh, scenes of, uh, of what happened with 9-11 in New York and and certainly in Washington, D.C. and in Pennsylvania. So. So, yeah. So some of those resources went to something which was more immediate at that time, which was the terrorist threat, international terrorist threat. So I think there was, you know, a confluence of issues here that come together that's sort of almost, not to justify, but almost speak to why we may have uh, lost a little of that focus. And I think we now have that focus. Uh, It's become very obvious uh, because some of the uh, on some of the activities uh, uh, on the part of China, but also from the Russian Federation and, and North Korea and, and Iran. So it's there's not a you know a scarcity of uh, issues out there that require greater focus and, and a better appreciation for what those developments mean for the United States, our allies, and our strategic partners. Is this in time? 
And I ask that question because as someone, full disclosure and in full transparency, who worked for the uh, U.S. Uh, IA, State Department, as a contractor at the Voice of America for six years, I saw, and I was there when this um, essentially dismantling of the USIS was taking place. And, you know, there were many people that complained then that said this is short-sighted. And there weren't a lot of people that really uh, listened to that. So it proceeded. And here we are. And the reason I ask and say this now is because it looks to me that not only did the Soviet Union go away and not only did the U.S. shift its focus to counterterrorism and not only did um, it dismantle the USIS and start focusing on things in a different way because it didn't need to feel that it needed to do the same thing again because the Soviet Union didn't exist, communism wasn't a problem, but now not only do we have... uh, a revanchist Russia trying to look as though it's resurging, but causing a lot of problems around the world. But now we have China causing a lot of problems around the world. We have terrorism again, causing problems around the world. And all this is happening at the same time. So is this in time to deal with this China problem against the backdrop of everything else? No, those are good points, JJ, and I, I, I t- totally agree with, uh, with with your analysis of uh, of those events. Yeah, I think it is the right time, and I think we have time, and I think uh, with the uh, with the with the fine focus uh, on that uh, on 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 developments with China, and as and as we continue to watch the uh, as you just said the revolt of Soviet uh, Russian Federation and and Iran and North Korea and others. Uh, yes, I think uh, I think we uh, we have the time necessary uh, so that uh, our uh, leadership, the decision makers, our Congress, uh, they could uh, fully understand the impact of these developments happening in this case in in, in regards to China uh, and 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 what would be necessary to uh, to to address those concerns. Uh, well, how do we how do we mitigate those threats? Uh, how do we how do we prevent them from manifesting itself? What do we uh, what do we do with our allies? Uh, how do we work more closely with our allies and our strategic partners? Yeah, I think we we do have the time to do it, and I'm I applaud the decision to uh, to make the uh, to establish this center at this time. How does a center like this work? We know that there have been others that have been stood up uh, over time, and I think at least one during the tenure of former CIA director John Brennan was stood up. But how do these centers work? What is the, um, I guess, process? What are their objectives? I mean, how do people work for these centers? Where are they? I mean, as much as you can say, to your knowledge. Sure. Uh yeah, I think uh, you know, and Donald Trump uh, during uh, his tenure, he established the uh, the North Korea Mission Center also, which I think they announced will now fold back into uh, into uh, a bigger component at the Central Intelligence Agency. Yeah, I, I it's it's bringing all those uh, uh, offices, uh, all those employees who work on China related issues together. That the, that means the collectors. The analysts, the technologists, 
uh, uh, the logisticians, uh, the uh, administrators, the security people, the counterintelligence people, all those who who look at at China writ large, not only China, uh, but what China is doing abroad uh, throughout, uh, you know, uh, the world and and bring them all together in, in, in one center, if you will. Uh, so that there is uh, so there is a, a fine focus and, and there's uh, um, if you will accountability also so no one could be pointing a finger well the analysts didn't do this or the collectors didn't collect that way or we didn't have the technology to better understand or uh, uh, etc. It, it all comes together with uh, uh, an established leadership, areas of responsibility and accountability. And and uh, it, it it's uh, it's really a, a a meaningful way of of doing business against some of the uh, very uh, strategic important uh, targets. And in this case, we're talking about China. One of your friends, I, I'm assuming he's a friend, and forgive me if I've spoken out of turn here, but certainly someone that you work still very closely with, retired General Ron Burgess. He said one of the greatest threats to the U.S. is the pace of change. You know, things have just gotten exponentially faster and faster and faster just because of the development of technology. Um, Has the U.S. CIA, U.S. intelligence community become a victim of this pace of change, Uh, not recognizing in time what's taking place or recognizing it, not having the resources or is the bureaucracy a part of the problem because you need to make changes. You can't just do them by yourself within one agency. You have to go through a process through a government has the pace of change victimized the U S. So, so one Ron Burgess, uh, general Burgess is a friend and I have great respect for Ron Burgess. Uh, and I, I, I totally uh, agree with what uh, he shared with you, JJ. There's no question about the, uh, what's, what's happening and the, the, uh, the changes that are happening so quickly. And, and uh, uh, I think one of, the, uh, one of the decisions that we're talking about, the establishment of this mission center, uh, and one of the reasons for establishing a mission center is also to look at that element of the uh, this, the pace of change and how do you monitor it? How do you exploit o- o- open information? Uh, you know, uh, one thing I didn't mention of all the collectors and uh, part of it is open source materials. I mean, there's there's, there's a myriad of materials out there that are available. Are we are we using the open source materials well? Whether it's uh, from the media, whether it's from the respective governments, whether it's from uh, commercial satellites, et cetera. How are we exploiting all that? And that's that's where you really that's the value of a center where you can bring all those pieces together. So. So, yes, uh, keeping pace with the uh, what's happening in social media, what's happening in the uh, information technology sector is a challenge. And I think this is where uh, Director Burns is also focusing on the new technologies I mean, China's talking about China 2025, where they'll control all these new high-tech manufacturing technologies. Uh, well, the, Dr. Burns is talking about how do we better understand, how do we, how do we incorporate these new technologies so that we're au courant and we have a, a sense of, of the developments and, and, and so that we can make some good analysis. Because in the final analysis, you can be doing all the collection 
uh, and hopefully you're doing it also from open source information. But if the analysis isn't isn't isn't, isn't crisp, isn't timely, isn't insightful enough, with the, the significant number of options now, now that you've given us this analysis, what are some of the options available, and what are the consequences when you take some of these decisions, etc. Uh, th these are really where you need the uh, subject matter experts uh, across the board doing all this work, whether it's collecting, analysis, uh, analyzing, uh, whether it's looking at the technology side, how you incorporate all that. You need to bring that all together in a meaningful way. So Ron Burgess is right on the mark. Are we doing that in, uh, uh, on all fronts? Are we doing it with all, uh, you know, uh, strategic competitors, et cetera? Well, we've made a decision here to do more with a, uh, an obvious strategic competitor here. It's China. And I applaud that. Uh, should we be doing more with Russia, with, uh, you know, North Korea, with Iran, et cetera? I, I, I you know, I, I left government a number of years ago, so I defer to the experts on that. But I think it was the right decision on, on China because of, because it's, it's, it's pretty obvious what's happening with China and the friction points. God knows we don't want to stumble into uh, any accidental conflict with, with, uh, with China. Uh, you know, and, and how, do you, how do you prevent that from happening? Will you prevent that from happening? Uh, better understanding what, what the developments are, what the trends are, and where those trends are going, and what you have to do to address those trends. You mentioned friction, friction points. It wasn't very long ago that current Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley, General Mark Milley, um, was um, through a book that came out uh, that was written by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa, um, Washington Post journalist that talked about the presidency of uh, former President Donald Trump, where he actually picked up the phone and called his counterparts in China to tell them that the U.S. was not preparing to attack them. Can the U.S. actually find itself in a conflict with China? And are there, the, are there things that need to be addressed to prevent that? No, that's an excellent question. Uh, yes, uh, you know, there are things that can be done to address that. I mean, and that's uh, and that's uh, understanding, uh, uh, indeed, where China's going, let's say, with Taiwan or the South China Sea. And that's communicating with China uh, using our, you know, uh, our uh, diplomats. Uh, and that's the key, using, uh, using our diplomatic uh, uh, representatives to communicate with their counterparts in China to say, you know, what's going on here with Taiwan, uh, you know, 100 and 48 uh, warplanes, uh, uh, you know, entering Taiwan's air defense identification. That's uh, gross intimidation. What, where are you going with this? Do we want to stumble into conflict? We don't obviously want to do that. But understanding where we are with the Taiwan Relations Act and our commitments to, uh, you know, a peaceful resolution of issues uh, uh, between China and 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 Taiwan. Uh, that's the that's. Yes. So communications are important, but it's not only diplomats to diplomats. It's uh, as we saw with General Milley, you just cited that it's mill to mill. It's 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 having the chairman of the Joint Chiefs get on his phone with his counterpart and saying, look, uh, you know, we, we don't want to go down this road. You don't want to go down this road. We could stumble into, uh, you know, something that's uh, uh, accidental uh, or, uh, that, that lends itself to something that eventually could be kinetic. 
So, yes, uh, and that's uh, where uh, we, we have to be very, very careful. Look, with, with Taiwan, JJ, and, that, and again, I'm applauding the creation of this, this uh, mission center, uh, there's, there's a myriad of issues that could lend itself to stumbling into accidental conflict, whether it's Taiwan, uh, you know, uh, whether it's the South China Sea and the freedom of navigation, uh, and and you know, uh, on the on the trade side, uh, and this is economics now, and uh, you know, uh, to prevent a trade war and and so forth. we have over six hundred billion dollars in trade between our respective countries and significant intellectual property theft. How do you you know you got to address those issues here? Do we want to eventually become delinked economically with China? Do we want to go into a cold war with China? I think most would say no, we don't want to do either of those two things there. But that means we need to have the information. Uh, it needs to be presented to our decision makers. They need to take decisions on how we interact with our Chinese, Chinese counterparts so that we don't go further into an area, a gray zone, where we could stumble into conflict. And, and this is... And with China, there are so many issues that have uh, relatively recently uh, materialized. And I just mentioned a few, Taiwan and the, and the South China Sea uh, and the East China Sea, I might add, also, uh, that require uh, immediate attention. So, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, I think what Millie did do with his counterpart was right on the mark. We, we, that's what communication is all about. Very last question. What kind of information is needed. I mean, I know you can't get into specifics, but what kind of stuff does the China Mission Center need to know? Well, you know, obviously plans and intentions. I mean, what are China's intentions with uh, with with Taiwan? Uh, you know, and you know, and and understanding that maybe you can get in front of that so that you could mitigate, you could prevent. Uh, you you could do something with it, uh, whether it's the South China Sea. Where are they going with the militarization of the islands and using uh, a maritime militia to to intimidate the, uh, the freedom of, of navigation? Uh, and and that could lend itself to conflict. How how do you present that type of information that you have to collect, that you have to understand? But you know, open source information is also very much available here because China does communicate a lot. Of, of of some of their decisions on on where they are and where they're going, uh, how do you analyze that? How do you put that into uh, into a, a greater picture so that we understand uh, in a more comprehensive way what China's plans and intentions are writ large or specific to issues like Taiwan or the South China Sea, and and how do we address them? Uh, you know, and it's also you know on the on the business side our. Our companies are doing business globally with uh, many other countries. And how do we compete with the China that maybe, you know, that, that, that not, not maybe, but that is subsidizing their state-owned enterprises. That is, that is uh, you know, uh, uh, interfering in, in the, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a sort of decision, free decision-making uh, on the part of uh, countries to decide uh, what sort of products they want to purchase and what sort of companies they want to work with. Uh, is it is it a level playing field for uh, our private sector? So, so, so there are so many issues here that require greater attention because it this all touches the United States. Look, if our companies are not permitted to compete fairly uh, globally, 
Uh, we're talking about possibly losing contracts. We're possibly losing uh, relationships with uh, governments, with uh, countries that uh, uh, that would be purchasing our products. And that speaks then to our companies that are producing these products. And it speaks to our employment uh, you know, opportunities for American citizens here. Uh, so it talks to our economy and our economic well-being. So it's not only on the on the military side, which is very obvious, and and and, and God forbid, would no one wants that to even move in, a, because it could be catastrophic. But it talks to our economic well-being, uh, you know, as a, as a as a democratic uh, liberal democratic society that's open that plays by a level playing field. So so there are so many issues here that require leadership attention. But to get that attention, obviously, uh, you know, you have to have a whole of government effort to uh, to do as much collecting, as much analyzing, and presenting as as much of this information and uh, with the uh, with the uh, possible consequences if they continue to go in those directions, and some of the options necessary to address them, mitigate, prevent. Uh, and, and and so that we could move forward. So it's it's a major. Uh, major, but a very necessary uh, and a very doable, I might add, extremely doable task to be doing this, uh, looking at uh, specific countries or uh, or specific issues that uh, touch the uh, national security interests of the United States, its partners and its uh, its allies. One last follow up thing. Does this center mean a whole bunch of new U.S. Uh, case officers to go out and try to recruit Chinese spies, or who's involved in this center? What will they be doing? So, so JJ, uh, that's fair. Uh, this requires ensuring that you have the personnel necessary, the personnel necessary who have the requisite uh, skills uh, and, and backgrounds to do the work. That means the area knowledge. That means language fluency. Uh, if you're working on the technical side, the techno- technological know-how. Uh, if you're doing on the analytic side, certainly you need the 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 uh, also the language and the and the subject matter expertise, uh, et cetera. So you need you need uh, employees that have these capabilities. If you don't have the numbers necessary, then you better do the recruiting. And you better do the training necessary. You better bring those people in and train them up so they can hit the ground running. Uh, and, uh, and so would that be extra personnel? It may, probably would be. Uh, but we're looking at the whole of sort of, in this case, the whole of the intelligence community coming together on, at the center here at CIA to, to look at, uh, at China. So, yeah, you would need people with all these uh, uh, backgrounds and capabilities. Uh, hopefully, you have them available to you now. Who could be be being moved from other areas that they may have been working on? Maybe they could have been working on counterterrorism. Now they're coming back and and getting back into an area where they have the expertise and and the uh, and the language and area knowledge uh, 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 abilities necessary to do the work. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be a major task. A very doable task, a very necessary task, and uh, it's one that uh, I, I applaud the uh, uh, director Burns is is pursuing. Ambassador Joe Detrani, thank you so much for your service. Thanks for this interview and uh, for this great information. Thank you, JJ. 
Coming up in our next episode of Target USA. There was a big surprise in New York and Washington this week. The homes of Oleg Deripaska, a Russian billionaire oligarch and close friend of Vladimir Putin, were searched by the FBI. There was a time when the KGB had to use its own officers to hand out money around the world. But after 1999 and Putin comes in, the oligarchs were all enlisted. The deal was you can make as much money as you want, but if there's some sort of intelligence action we need done, you got to go along and they don't have a choice. So the question in my mind is, are these searches related to his intelligence activities against Americans? We take a deep look at the man the searches, his American connections, and what this all means. Coming up in the next episode of Target USA. If you have any questions or comments, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word. jgreen at wtop.com. That's jgreen at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. Also, subscribe to our podcast, if you will. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff. And you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey guys, Jay Cutler. Started a new podcast called Uncut with Jay Cutler. Most of you know me from the NFL, some of you have seen me on Instagram, and some of you know me from the reality TV world. Each week I'm taking you along with me as we discuss football, trending topics, and whatever's going on in my life each week. I'm bringing along people that are special in my life, former teammates, friends, and some new people that I like and respect. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Podcasting? I think I'm doing this right. Can't wait to get started with you. Go subscribe now. Uncut with Jay Cutler, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.